All right, well, good morning once again. Uh, we are, we're working our way through a sermon series called Grace DNA, where we unpack kind of the big reason why we are here as a church. But before we jump into our topic for this morning, I'm going to ask you guys a question. This is one of my favorite questions to ask groups as we're getting to know each other. So like maybe a small group Bible study or something like that, because the answers reveal so much about our personality and they're often quirky and surprising. You learn things about people that you just wouldn't guess. Here's the question. What are you an evangelist about? Okay. What are you an evangelist about? Because we're all evangelists about certain things. These are the things that we can't help but share with other people. All right, often whether they want to hear it or not, this is our agenda, right? This is what we want to get out there. These are the topics that make our ears perk up, that makes us want to follow the rabbit trail. These are the things we don't even need a smooth transition in the conversation to bring up. The smallest window and we jump in and we're all over it, right? For example, I am a fantasy book, craft beer, and uphill skiing evangelist, okay? The last one is a new um, a conversion for me since I've moved here, but... I'm all over it. I'll tell anyone and everyone. I'm also uh, a minivan evangelist. Now, this one was actually a, kind of a surprising conversion for me. I felt a little bit of shame at the beginning that I was so excited about minivans. I felt like I was settling into middle age before I was 30. But once you start, there's no going back. Minivans are like burritos, okay? They're a little bit boring on the outside, but amazing on the inside, right? I mean, all of that storage in the back, all the little features, the doors that just open on there, amazing, okay? I could go on, I won't, because we're not here to talk about minivans. When I see a window to insert my love for these things in a conversation, I always take it. I always want to invite you to love the things that I also love. Over the years, I've gotten a lot of interesting responses to this question, as you can imagine. I've met Mac computer evangelists, anti-Mac evangelists. There's both. We've all met organic food evangelists who are populating at a rate roughly 10 times the normal population. Um, There's craft donut evangelists to even them out. There's all kinds of evangelists, you name it, snow camping, history. I just recently met and always use the handrail while going up and down stairs evangelist. New one to me, but very practical, I'll be honest. What are you an evangelist about? What do you love to share with other people? It's just easy for you to slip it into conversations, to, to, to bring it up, to, to sell it. Some of us are pretty casual about our evangelism. Some of us are pretty intense about it, but that's just a personality thing because here's the law of the human heart. The law of the human heart is we will share with others what we enjoy the most. We just will. We will herald what we find most important and crucial in life. We, We will witness to what we delight in and love. That's just the rule. We're all Evangelists. As I said, we're marching through a sermon series called Grace DNA, and the goal is to lay out at a 30,000-foot view what makes Grace Church Grace Church. Why are we here? What are we for? What are we doing? And we've said we're really going to be about three things, these three great branches of the Christian life. We're going to love God by trusting his promises and worshiping his name. We're going to love one another through intentional spiritual friendships and a ministry of, of presence and truth in one another's lives. And then we're going to love our valley. 
our neighbors, those who might never walk through the doors of this church, we are here for them. That's integral to why we exist. We're, we're going to do everything we do as a motivation to be a blessing to the valley. And the Bible is clear that one of the central ways we as the church are called to love our neighbors is by sharing with them about this gift that we have received in Jesus. We're called to be evangelists, to share with the world what we love and delight in. But unlike minivans and backpacks and toothpaste or whatever you're an evangelist about, I think that there's a unique dilemma when it comes to evangelizing about Jesus. So this is what I want to do this morning. I want to look at the dilemma of evangelizing about Jesus in our modern world. And then I want to look at maybe one um, path forward through some of those barriers that I think is an often neglected and forgotten calling from God in his word. So first, what's the dilemma of evangelism today? All right, simply put, I think the dilemma is this. For Christians, we've been called and commanded by our God to share the great gift of his gospel um, to a hurting and a lost world. By claiming to be a follower of Jesus, by joining Team Jesus, adopting, being adopted into his family, we're claiming he is the single most important thing in the world. And that's what it means to be a Christian. Jesus matters the most compared to everything else. And yet, here's the dilemma. We often find it harder to share about Jesus than to share about the band of the month, don't we? Why is that? Why is that? It's strange. Now, for those of you who are, who are here and you're still investigating Christianity, you haven't um, put all your chips in with Jesus yet, you're still feeling out if this makes sense, if it's true, if it's good, you probably don't feel this dilemma, this tension. And there's really no reason you should. I mean, there's no reason, um, if you're still processing, if you believe, there's no reason that this command in the Bible um, should make you uncomfortable and cause conflict in your heart just yet. So if that's you, if you're here investigating Christianity, this is one of those sermons where you get to sit in and listen in on Christians talking to each other about what it feels like to be a Christian, okay? We hope you continue to investigate and to give us the privilege of walking with you through your spiritual journey. But if you're a Christian in this room this morning, you know what I'm talking about. I know you know what I'm talking about because this is all of us. You have heard God's call for you to extend the gifts of his great love and salvation to your family and friends. Some of Jesus' most famous words, his final words to his followers before he left were were this from Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, he said. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is the great commission for all Christians to be disciple-making Jesus sharers in the world. And it's a great promise that he will never leave us alone in that task. He will always be with us. We read in 1 Peter 3 that one way we honor Christ the Lord as holy in our hearts is to always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you and to do it with gentleness and respect. This is a call to evangelism. 
Always ready, always looking for the window to slip it into the conversation, sometimes even when it makes sense or not, right? Just like we do with, I don't know, the uphill skiing gear. Jesus tells us in John 15, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, but you also must testify. It does not get any clearer than that, right? This is the calling, the commission of the Christian life. And we've been given all the resources in the world we need to do it. Jesus promises that our evangelism buddy, the guy who's gonna go out and do this with us, is the Holy Spirit himself, right? So there's no excuse not to do it. So why, why do I, even as a pastor, this is my job, okay? Why do I find it easier, and if I'm honest, why am I more excited often to share my new outdoor gear find than I am to share about Jesus? That's the dilemma. That's the question. Have you ever asked yourself why that is? Um, Objectively, it doesn't make any sense, but it's true. So why? Jerem Bars is a professor at a seminary in St. Louis. He wrote a great book called The Heart of Evangelism, and he devotes a whole section of it to the unique barriers that exist when we're witnessing about Jesus. He says sharing about Jesus is different than sharing about donuts. There, There are barriers and hurdles that exist in Jesus' evangelism that just don't exist when we share other stuff. Um, And you guys have experienced these. You've felt these. So have I. He says to start, there's barriers between the church and the world, between the the kind of secular, pluralistic place where we live and and what Christians believe that have been accumulating over time. And actually, one of the barriers that exists between us and those that we're called to share with is actually the past history and failure of the Christian church, especially even in evangelism, right? So we don't enter into this calling with a blank slate. People have been doing this for decades and centuries before us, some of it really thoughtfully and some of it really, really ridiculously. Is that a word, ridiculously? And even wrong, even evil. Um, I heard a story once, this is a ridiculous example, about a guy evangelizing, and I use that term very broadly here, uh, by what he, he calls it um, dropping gospel bombs, okay? And essentially what this means is he crumples up a little track that explains the four spiritual laws or whatever, and he drives around town and he just chucks it out his window at people and drops gospel bombs right in their life, a little gift from God. Okay, that's not helpful for anybody, right? It's not helpful for him, it's not helpful for them. It's certainly not helpful for us if we are gonna step into this calling of evangelism. It's ridiculous. And that's not even mentioning the wrong, evil ways that this has been done in the past. The, the hellfire and brimstone wackos who carry signs and scream at sorority girls on college quads, right? So why would anyone, here's the question, why would anyone... Um, sign up to share about Jesus when that's our company, right? I mean, even if we know the distinction and the difference and the nuances, does the world see those differences? Or are they just gonna clump us all together with the crazies? We have a barrier because of the history of Christianity in this country. We also have a barrier because of just the where culture is today. I mean, we've lost a, a sort of common language, Um, I had a professor in seminary who said, 
that 30 or 40 years ago, uh, when you met an atheist, you could assume she was a Christian atheist. And what he meant by that was the God that she was denying was the Christian God, right? That there was at least still a basis, a common language of God and sin and salvation. There was a common block of knowledge that person would be rejecting that you were accepting. But now that common block of knowledge doesn't exist anymore in our world. We have to, if we're going to start our evangelism, we have to start way further back and even define and discuss words like what is God, what is sin, what is salvation. We have a barrier of the loss of common language. There's so many others out there between the church and the world. The distraction of technology, um, the, 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 uh, the sheer commitment and busyness and lack of margin in our lives. All these barriers seem like they pile up and bury whatever motivation we had to share about Jesus in the first place. But that's not even all. There's barriers out there that make evangelism hard for us and unique. But there's also barriers in here, okay? There's barriers not only between the church and the world. There's barriers between our heart and the world. Jaron Bars, again, refers to what he calls a wall of guilt, that we build between us and those that we could share with. Now, you felt this. I felt this. We ask things like, who am I to represent Jesus to anybody? Given my life, given my past, given what, I, what I've said, what I've done, why, why would Jesus want me as a representation to anyone? It's a wall of guilt that creates a barrier to us sharing the good news of Jesus with anyone. There's a barrier of a lack of confidence. I won't know what to say when someone asks me a hard question about the Bible. They should go talk to a professional, right? Someone who knows the Bible, who does this for a living. Who am I to bring this to anyone? None of, and here's the thing. None of these barriers, the heart ones, the world ones, none of these barriers exist when we talk about laptops. All of these barriers exist when we talk about Jesus. That's the dilemma of evangelism in our modern world. Grace Church has been planted in the middle of the Roaring Fork Valley. And, and we believe that it's been planted here by Jesus, right? That Jesus is the one who plants and builds and grows his church. And he has given us this mission to be a light, to extend the gifts of God's grace that we get the privilege of tasting and enjoying, but we don't have the right of hoarding. It was given to us to be given away. We're called by our king to be as messengers of hope to a hurting world. And, and on top of all that, evangelism isn't even just an assignment, right? Evangelism is actually a medicine. It's a gift for our own souls. It's true that we'll naturally share what we love. It's also true that we will grow in love what we learn to share. That actually evangelism is going to help us delight in God and what he's done more and more. But the task seems daunting and awkward, and we feel ill-equipped to love our neighbors and our family and our coworkers by sharing Jesus with them. There are hurdles all around us and inside of us. How do we move forward? Okay, that's the dilemma. And the rest of our time, I want to point out a path forward. Okay, this isn't the path forward. This isn't the silver bullet that's going to cure all of us of our evangelism fear. This is a path forward given to us in the Bible, and a way to maybe get stuck Christians like me unstuck. And I do think it's particularly relevant way in our modern, secular, and distracted world. 
Izzy read a few minutes ago from Romans 12. Let me just reread those few verses again. Paul writes, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, in a laundry list of uh, activities and commands and callings in the Christian life, there's one in there that sort of jumps out to me and seems a little bit out of place. Seek to show hospitality. That's an interesting one. Why would God put hosting dinner parties at the same level as being constant in prayer and fervent in zeal for the Holy Spirit. Are those things really equivalent? Uh, Christine Pohl, this is kind of a, one of those sermons with a lot of like book references. You guys can follow up on all these later. Christine Pohl wrote a great book called Making Room, Recovering Hospitality as a Christian Tradition. And in it she writes, Today, most understandings of hospitality have a minimal moral component. Hospitality is a nice extra if we have the time or the resources, but we rarely view it as a spiritual obligation or as a dynamic expression of vibrant Christianity. I think she's right. Hospitality in the past, in the Christian life, used to have a moral component to it. Today, it's a nice add-on, an extra, if we have the time. But I do think that recovering a rich, biblical understanding of hospitality, not just dinner parties, but, but spiritual evangelistic hospitality might be a helpful avenue for us to start to think about and to wade through some of the barriers to evangelism in our modern world. It, it's a soil, I think, that real fruit can grow out of as we share Jesus. Hospitality, that word that Paul uses right there, in the Greek, it's philoxenia. Um, now, even if you don't know Greek, you can figure out what that word means. Okay, philo is what? Brotherly, right? Brotherly love. The city of Philadelphia is so philo. So the city of brotherly love. Philo is brotherly love. It's family love. And then xenia is what? Xenophobia is fear of a stranger. Xenia is stranger. So hospitality, according to the Bible, is family love for a stranger. It's family love for someone who's not in your family. It's opening your home and it's opening your life and your heart to an outsider as if they were an insider, okay? What if we shared our faith like we shared a meal? What if we, shared, what if we did evangelism like, we do, like we're being called to do hospitality? That's sort of the, the question I just want to lay before you and, and let it linger. Let, let us all figure out together how this might look. I don't just mean that we should share the gospel while we have people over for dinner, but by all means, share the gospel while you have people over for dinner. What I'm saying is hospitality serves as an image and a guide for our evangelism. We don't need to eat dinner every time we witness, but we should witness like we eat, okay? How do we eat? How do we have people over for dinner? Think about how we share a meal. We invite others into our home and we work to make it comfortable for them. 
right? If we're doing hospitality and not just showmanship, we make it about our guests and not about ourselves, okay? So we, we make it about letting them be comfortable um, instead of helping us feel great. And then we eat. We bring something to the table that we enjoy, that something that gives us nourishment and life, something we need just as much as our guests need. This is not something we've grown out of. All of us forever for the rest of our lives will eat meals. And as we do that, we share it with others. We have not moved beyond the need for this thing that we're sharing with our guests. And while we eat, we talk. It's not an agenda. It's not an outline. It's not a 10-point lecture that I want to cover with you when you come over from, for, for dinner at my house, at least Let's hope not because you're never coming, coming back again if you, you know, we start into a sermon time around the dinner table. The conversation meanders around things that we both find interesting and important and worthwhile. Our work, our kids, parents, just life. And then we tell stories. We share our lives. We laugh. We're in, what we're doing at, at, when we have someone over is we're investing in an ongoing relationship. We're not downloading information we're enjoying a discussion and enjoying a person. What if we shared Jesus like we share a meal? What, what, how, how do we share the truth and the love of Jesus like that? How do we practice evangelism like we practice hospitality? Well, evangelism, if we were doing it that way, would be a commitment to speaking the truth in the context of relationship over time, right? It would be about building bridges of trust and respect with other people and then actually walking across those bridges. Here's the thing. I come from a tradition, I don't know about you guys, but my background is sort of like, um, let's build bridges, let's you know, make, make Christianity accessible, let's make sure we're being um, warm and kind and connecting with people. But then the hesitancy is like, okay, all the bridges are built. At some point, it's there to walk over it, right? And to actually say the explicit good news of the gospel. Jesus loves you. He has come into this world to transform it. He's inviting you into his family. Build bridges and then actually walk over them and to be committed to do this over a process of time. Uh, Rico Tice is an Anglican pastor in London. He wrote a book called Honest Evangelism. And he says in it that research suggests that when people put their faith in Christ, on average today, it takes two years from the point when they came into meaningful contact with a Christian who witnessed to them. And that time period is actually growing. Witnessing is a long-term commitment to invest in a relationship, to pray tirelessly, to speak the gospel over and over again, patiently, persistently. It's a journey of gospel conversations. Hospitality evangelism doesn't just um, download data. In other words, in it, we take a full person's history. We, we integrate their story into the story of the gospel. Um, Eugene Peterson is a pastor I really appreciate. And um, he, he has this great image where he says that the storyteller differs from the moralizer in the same way that a responsible physician differs from a clerk in a drugstore. Okay, so this is his, his illustration. The physician takes a history, right? The, the physician, before offering a diagnosis or writing a prescription, um, 
the presumption is, is that everything that a person has experienced is relevant to the illness and must be taken into account if there's to be real healing. The clerk in the drugstore simply sells the patient a medicine off the shelf. The one thing for headaches, another thing for heartburn, another thing for indigestion, without regard for the particular details of a person's pain. And Peterson says, biblical evangelism, it takes a history like a good physician. And, what that, and with that raw material, it creates a story of salvation. What this is, is it's a process of hearing people's story and then integrating it in compelling ways with the story of the gospel. And, and maybe the last thing for this morning, um, hospitality doesn't uh, wait for the conversation to happen on our terms when we are comfortable and when we're ready to roll all the time. What, what, what hospitality does is it crosses the gap for the sake of the other person. Also in Romans, um, Paul writes in Romans 15, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is a comment on hospitality. This is a comment on evangelism. He's saying, learn how to welcome one another into our homes, into the Christian life, by asking first, how has Christ welcomed you? What did Christ do to show hospitality to you? Let me just summarize it. Jesus crossed every conceivable gap and barrier to welcome strangers and enemies into his family. All right, so Jesus crossed a moral gap by taking our sin onto his shoulders as he died on the cross. Jesus crossed the physical gap by leaving his home to come and live on earth so that we could be with him and connected to him forever. Jesus crossed the the comfort gap, we could say, by setting aside all of his rights and the wealth and the pleasures of heaven to endure all that he endured on earth. Jesus crossed the social gap by enduring loneliness and isolation and rejection so that we would never have to experience those things in any eternal way. In other words, Jesus showed family love to a stranger. He saved us through his hospitality. And that gives us an incredible freedom to show that same hospitality and care to cross the gap, whatever gaps need to be crossed, socioeconomic ones, racial ones, community ones, uh, comfort ones, time ones, whatever gaps need to be crossed to reach our friends for Jesus, it gives us the freedom to do that and to welcome them into the family love of God. We will love our valley as we share with them the hope that's available in Jesus. And we will do this only when our own hope in Jesus grows. Um, There are strategies and tactics and techniques and wise and compelling ways to share our faith. If you want to talk about any of those, I've got a pile of books in my office. I named three of them in this sermon already. All of that is good, but none of that is going to actually change our hearts unless the Holy Spirit is causing us to fall more in love with Jesus every day. And then if that is happening, The rest is just details, okay? The rest just, you'll figure it out. We'll all figure it out. We'll stumble, we'll fail, we'll hit barriers, we'll do it together, we'll laugh at ourselves. One of the best things to do to um, grow in our evangelism is to get a buddy and to swap stories about how you are just royally screwing it up and laugh about it and then get back in the game the next day, right? We have the freedom to do that. 
because Jesus has already welcomed us into his family. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. When we love Jesus more, we will love our valley better as well. That's our community project. That's what this church is about. Next week, we will actually wrap up the Grace DNA series. So uh, come back for that one, the last one. All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for showing us such incredible hospitality, for covering all the costs of the meal that we need. Thank you for inviting us into your home and into your family and treating strangers as brothers and sisters. And Jesus, help our hearts take great delight and trust and hope in all that you've done for us. Help us believe the gospel. And as we do, send us into the world in your name. Conquer our fear and the barriers that exist and help us share the joy of knowing you with those in this valley. Amen.